The Sangha is invited to come back to our breathing so that the collective energy of mindfulness will bring us together as an organism, flowing as a river with no more separation. Let the whole Sangha breathe as one body, chant as one body, listen as one body, transcending the boundaries of a delusive self, liberating from the superiority complex, the inferiority complex, and the equality complex.
passionate nectar is enough to bring back the spring to mountains and to rivers. Namo
Good morning, dear friends. Today is uh, Saturday, the 14th of April, in the year 2012, and we are on our third day of the uh, retreat, Mindful Living Today in Karani. To meditate means to have the time to calm, to become peaceful, and then to look deeply into oneself and into the world. Sometimes uh, we meditate on our breathing, and the object of our mind is just our in-breath and our out-breath. Sometimes we meditate on our body. We look deeply into our body to see where it has come from and where it will go to. And uh, we can meditate on a on everything like uh, a cloud. If we have enough time to look at a cloud very deeply, we find out where the cloud has come from and where the cloud will go to. And that kind of understanding will help us uh, remove the, the anger, the fear, the despair. We can also meditate on, uh, on our hand. Our hand is a very good subject for meditation. I know a, an artist, a painter, who his name, whose name is Warden. He's a very talented uh, artist. He has exhibited his uh, works several times in America. He left the country at the age of 16 because his family was so poor. And uh, his mother did not believe that he could have a future. So when the young man asked his mother to go to America, his mother said yes. In order to go to America, he had to, to, to seek um, kind of employment in a boat, tourist boat, as a server, because he did not have the time to buy a ticket to America. That time uh, we went to America with boat, not with planes. His mother was very poor. His father already passed away. To send him to school. So there's no, there was no future for the young man. So she had to accept that he, young man, go to America in order to seek for a future. Go to America to look for a job have some money and to go to school. 
and his mother. That lady did not know how to write or read books. And yet she is a very wise woman. The night before, uh, the night uh, before his departure, she told him, My son, when you will be over there in America, you will miss me. And you may cry, and I will miss you also. So I propose that every time over there when you miss me, you hold your hand in front of you and you look deeply. And you see my hand in your hand. Because your hand is a continuation of the hand of your mother. So if you look into your hand deeply enough, long enough, you see this is not only your hand, but mom's hand in your hand. And she was teaching him hand meditation, but she did not know. She did not use the word. But she was teaching him hand meditation. When you look into your hand deeply, you see that it is your hand, of course, but it is also the continuation of the hand of your father and of your mother. And when you are able to see this hand is also the hand of your mother, and you can slowly put it up on your forehead and touch. And there you have the hand of your mother touching your forehead. And you feel wonderful, you don't miss your mother anymore. So that lady who did not know how to know how to write or to read, she was teaching meditation to her son. And of course, uh, when uh, Warden, his full name is Warden Mai, uh, uh, got to America, he uh, looked for a job. He worked very hard, and he had enough money to, to, to study. And he became a very talented uh, artist, painter. He, uh, he, he helped uh, illustrate many of uh, my books that were published in America. He also drew cover for the cover of uh, many, many of his books. He already passed away. He had uh, two daughters. He married uh, an American young lady and had two daughters, Phuong Nam and Linh Yan. Let us pray together before I continue.
ท่านดูสภาสวาเวลักกีวิโคสามบาลสติวลายโซดนดนไว้ตามเทวยมบาลแต่ปาสเวนันทุรุเบต every time every time you remember that you have still have a mother you have to go to her and say mother I know you are still there alive and I am so happy this is the second mantra darling I know that you are still alive for me And this makes me very happy. Remember the first mantra, darling. I'll hear to you. This is the second mantra, and you can practice with your mother, your father, with your grandma, grandpa, and so on. Don't wait until that person died in order to 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 regret. The second mantra is to recognize the presence of the other person as something very precious to you. The first mantra, darling, I'm here for you, is to produce your presence and to offer your presence to your beloved one. The second mantra is to recognize the presence of the other person. Of the beloved one, as something very precious to you, Daddy. I know that you are there, still alive for me. I am so happy. Imagine if you are not, no longer there. I will suffer. So the second mantra is very important. Mommy, Daddy, I know you are there for me, still alive. I am so happy. If you practice that mantra, you will not regret later. If you don't, you may regret. In order to practice this mantra, you may like to breathe in and out and become fresh and peaceful. And you go to the other person, and you look uh, into his eyes or her eyes, smiling, and you say, "Darling, I know you are there, and I'm so happy." This mantra is very effective. If you are really mindful and concentrated, the mantra will make him or her happy right away, and you are also happy at the same time. The effect is. Immediate. So today, try to do it. If your beloved one is here in the retreat, it's so easy. You need only to breathe in and out for a few uh, time, or do some steps in mindfulness in order to become more fresh, more peaceful, and go to him or her and pronounce the mantra. <coughs> And if the other person is not in the retreat, you are authorized to use your cell phone. <laughs> you hold the cell phone in your hand. By the way, this is not a phone. 
because Thai does not own a phone. He has no private telephone. And you breathe in and out in order to become fresh and beautiful and peaceful. And then you compose a number. <laughs> and while it's ringing, you now you continue to to practice mindful breathing that keep you fresh and beautiful. And when you hear the voice, you say hello. And you pronounce mantra. Darling, Daddy, Mommy, I know you are there. I am so happy. For those of us who do not have our mother or father still alive, we will have to practice like uh, the paint, the artist. We have to, to bring our hand up and look deeply and, and breathe and say, this is my hand, but this is also the hand of my mother. I have thought that uh, my mother is no longer there, but I am wrong. My mother always is always alive in me. And this is uh, very true scientifically true because your mother is fully present in every cell of your body with her genes. <coughs> so if your mother is no longer there outside of you, she is still inside of you and you can continue to talk to her. That's what Thay has practiced. Thay's father, Thay's mother has passed away a long time ago. But Thay does not feel that uh, his mother is dead. She is always alive. And he feels that uh, she is uh, fully present in every cell of his body. So he can talk to her at any moment. Remember when you were small and sometimes you had a fever. You suffered so much. Suddenly, mother appears and she put her hand on your forehead. How wonderful! You suffer much less right away. Her hand is like a miracle. And when we grow up, our mother is no longer available. And if she passes away, we miss our mother. So in order not to suffer, we have to practice this meditation. We have to bring up our hand and look deeply. That is meditation. Meditation is the act of looking deeply. You need some time, some concentration. And you discover that this is not only your hand. This is the hand of your father, your mother. There are so many Irish people who have had to leave their country and make a living in other countries, in America, for instance. 
they miss their mother, they miss their father, ancestors. And if they know how to practice, they will see that wherever they go, their ancestors go with them. And their ancestors, their father, mother are always available in the here and the now. And the land of childhood is always there with them. So every time they, they need, uh, because when you grow up, from time to time, you still have it, a fever. Even above 40 or 50, you still have a fever. And you, you still need the hand of your mother. So in order to make it available, meditation can help. You look, and maybe in just a few seconds, you can see that this hand is the hand of your mother, and you put it on your forehead. And you feel wonderful. Let us try together, looking on our hand and see the hand of our mother inside. It's not so difficult. This is a continuation of the hand of our mother. Now slowly we put it on, pose it on our forehead. Thank you, Mommy. So wonderful. You touched my forehead. And this is also the hand of my, my father. And if you look deeply, this is the, also the hand of my ancestors. And all my ancestors touched me at the same time. It's wonderful. This happens only when you have the insight. And that insight you get only from meditation. A profound vision of interbeing. And in my hand, I find the presence of the hand of all my ancestors. My ancestors have not died. They go on living in me. Whenever I walk, all my ancestors walk with me. Whenever I breathe, all ancestors breathe with me. And this is what you see when you are a practitioner of meditation. Wherever you go, your ancestors are with you. And then, if you have a teacher, a spiritual teacher, like the Buddha, the Buddha is my spiritual teacher, or like Jesus Christ, who is uh, the spiritual teachers of many uh, people in the West. You have received the teaching from him. You have suffered less 
thanks to his teaching. That is why he is in you also. So the hand of Jesus Christ is available to you. Because as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are his continuation. And if you put your hand on your forehead, Jesus Christ also is putting his hand on your forehead. This is a miracle that you can perform with meditation. My teacher, my root teacher, I love him very much. And the Buddha is also my teacher. And I, if I want the Buddha to touch me, that's easy. I just use my hand and touch. And I know that in this hand there is the hand of the Buddha. This is my hand. But this is also the continuation of the Buddha's hand. My hand is a real continuation of the hand of the Buddha. Because this hand has learned to refrain from killing, from making other people suffer. This hand has learned how to protect life, how to help living beings to suffer less. So this is a continuation of the Buddha's hand. And that is why when you touch your forehead with your hand, the Buddha is touching your hand. Jesus is touching uh, your hand. This is a vision, this is an insight that you can get only through the practice of uh, meditation, which means uh, looking deeply. Nothing is lost. Everything is still there. My hand has a kind of wisdom that is called the wisdom of non-discrimination. People in the world, if they suffer so much because they have a lot of discrimination in their head. The white people discriminate against the black people. The northern people may discriminate against the southern people. The Muslim may discriminate against the Jews. The Hindu may discriminate against the Muslim. The Catholic may may discriminate against the Protestant and so on. But in my two hands, I do not find any tendency to discriminate. And that is why my hands can, almost, can always be together in peace and harmony. You know my hand, my right hand, she has a name, right hand, but she is not caught by that name. My left hand has a name, she is not the right hand, she is the left hand, she has a name, but she is not caught by the name left. So if you are a Protestant, it's better that you are 
you will not be caught by the name Protestant. If you are Catholic, you should not be caught by the word Catholic. Because you are brothers. You have the same teacher. You come from the same root. And non-discrimination help you to live in peace together. To collaborate. You know, one day, I saw very clearly that uh, my right hand is not uh, is um, has uh, the wisdom of non-discrimination, and she does not have any complex of a superiority. Uh, inferiority over my left hand. In fact, um, Thay has written a lot of poems, and it is the right hand who has written all these poems, except one. And that day they did not have uh, a pen. They always wrote poetry with a pen, never on a computer. That day they did not have a, a pen. They found himself in a in a, in the home of a friend. A poem just came, and they wanted to deliver it. <laughs> so there was a typewriter kind old-fashioned type writer, and they just put a roll, a old envelope in it, and there they type the poem. That is the only poem written by both, both hands. And they still remember, remember that poem has the title, The Little Buffalo Chasing After the Sun. But all the other poems were written by the right hand. And the right hand does many other things, like inviting the bell, uh, doing calligraphy. And yet my right hand never is never proud of herself. My right hand never looked down on my left hand and said, you are not good for anything. No, that's not the, 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 the kind of thinking that my hand, my right hand has. My right hand is free from the complex of superiority. That is why it never looks down on the left hand. And my left hand never suffers. My left hand does not have the complex of inferiority never jealous of my right hand. And that is why there is the wisdom of non-discrimination here. If you meditate deeply, you may get the wisdom of non-discrimination and you'll be utterly free 
and perfectly happy. One day, uh, Thay was trying to hang a picture, hung a picture on the wall, and his right hand was using a hammer, holding a hammer, and his left hand holding a nail. That morning, the right hand was not very skillful. <laughs> Instead of pounding on the nail, it pounded on this finger. There was uh, pain. And right away, without uh, being asked, the right hand put down the hammer and took care of the left hand, as if uh, it take or took care of itself, naturally. When the left hand suffers, the right hand suffers. And when the right hand takes care of the left hand, it does not have the feeling that it's taking, taking care of someone else. It's taking care of itself. So the, that is absolutely the wisdom of non-discrimination. My right hand does not have to ask for to, to forgiveness because uh, because they they know that uh, her, the happiness of one hand is the happiness of the other hand. The suffering of the other hand is the suffering of this hand. So they are they are two, but they are not two. They are one. Inclusiveness non-discrimination. My left hand was not angry at all, because my left hand is said that, well, this is misfortune. The pain in the left hand is also the pain in the right hand. She did not uh, get angry at all. She did not say, right hand, you have done me injustice. I demand justice. Please give me that hammer. <laughs> so that is why my two hands always collaborated with each other. There is harmony, there is, there is a peace, and there is no suffering. And if uh, in school we learn meditation in order to get that kind of insight, that kind of uh, wisdom called non-discrimination, we will not suffer and we will not make uh, our country suffer from division, from fear, from hate. When you hear the little bell, you may like to stand up and bow to the Sangha before you go and continue your practice outside. Sit down again.
My dear friends, uh, last night we, uh, we, we have uh, had uh, the presentation of the five uh, mindfulness trainings. The first training is about uh, protecting life. And in the light of inter, uh, interbeing, we see that we ourselves are part of the environment. If uh, we do not protect the environment, we are not protecting ourselves. And that is why to learn to live in such a way that can, uh, that can uh, protect uh, other species, is uh, to protect uh, humans. And uh, protecting life uh, should, be the, should be the way and lying uh, deeply at the foundation of this uh, practice is the insight of interbeing. Man is made of non-man elements. When you look at a flower, you see a flower is made only of non-flower elements. You see the sunshine in the flower. We know that if without the sunshine, the flower would not be possible. No sunshine, no flower can grow. So looking into the flower, you see the sunshine as one non-flower element. And you see a cloud. You know, if, you know that if there were no cloud, there would be no rain, and no flower can grow. So looking into a flower, we see a cloud inside. A cloud is a non-flower element. And we see many other non-flower elements, like uh, the earth, the soil, the minerals, the farmer, the gardener, and so on. So a flower is made only of non-flower elements. A human being also is made of non-human elements. When we look into a human being, we see the existence of uh, the animal, the vegetables, and the minerals. And that is why, if we do not protect the minerals, the animals, and the vegetables, we do not protect uh, the human. And that is uh, deep uh, ecology. So we have to organize that we live in such a way that can uh, protect life, protect all species on Earth. And we know that uh, the extinction of uh, many species is uh, happening every day. And the extinction of the human race is possible with our, with, uh, uh, with our continuation to live in the present way. We have to change our way of living in order to reverse uh, the process of global warming. And that is uh, uh, the first uh, uh, training, mindfulness training, protecting life. It's a very deep practice. 
We should live in such a way that allows other species to have a chance to live, so that we can protect uh, uh, Mother Earth and allow the life to continue for other species as well. The second mindfulness training is uh, about true happiness. We have to change our idea about happiness. We have uh, to remove the idea that happiness is not possible without uh, a lot of money, a lot of um, uh, fame and power and sex. We have already learned that without understanding and compassion and love, happiness would not be possible. Happiness depends on a way of a way of looking at uh, things. And that is why uh, meditation is important. Looking deeply, we see the nature of interbeing. We know that uh, uh, happiness and suffering are no longer individual matters. If uh, this side suffers, the other side will continue to suffer also. It is not possible for one side to be happy while the other side suffers. So that is why non-discrimination is uh, important. Anything you do to make the other side suffer less, that it will help you to suffer less at the same time. It's like the right hand, the left hand. Suffering and happiness are not individual matters. And uh, cultivating understanding understanding of our own suffering and the suffering of the other group of people is very important because uh, understanding suffering brings about compassion and compassion can neutralize anger and fear and begin to heal ourselves and heal the other group of people. And that is why with uh, the right, right insight we know that uh, ha- true happiness should be made of understanding and compassion. And the third mindfulness is uh, the practice of true love. And we, we learn that uh, sexual uh, desire and love, they are two different things. If there is no understanding, no compassion, it is not love. It can create a lot of uh, suffering for us and for the other person. That is why <clears throat> we have to distinguish 
between uh, craving for sex and loving. These are two different things. And true love is made of four elements. The first element is uh, kindness. The Sanskrit term is uh, maitri. Kindness is the capacity, the ability to offer happiness. True love always brings happiness. If it makes you suffer, and it makes the other person suffer, that's not true love. So that's why we need kindness. We have to be kind to us and to the other person. We have to be kind to our body. We should not work our body too hard. We should take good care of our body. We should know how to make our body feel light. We should not uh, accumulate so much um, uh, tension and stress. We should know the art of total relaxation. We should know the art of resting so that our body has a chance to recover and restore itself. That is too long. And then we should be there for our for our painful feeling for our painful emotions to help reduce the suffering, getting relief and transform this pain in us. And that is uh, true love addressed to ourselves. We should know how to generate feeling of joy and happiness in our daily life. That is to love ourselves. And when you know how to do it, you can do it for the other person. Self-love is the foundation for the love of another. This is uh, true love. Understanding your suffering, you can understand his or her suffering much more easily. Knowing how to, uh, how to, uh, how to bring happiness and joy for yourself, you know how to bring happiness and joy for him or for her. And the second uh, element of true love is compassion. Compassion means the kind of energy that can help uh, transform the suffering, bring in relief, and remove uh, the suffering. If your love doesn't have the capacity to make you suffer less and to make him or her suffer less, that's not true love. That is why we have to cultivate uh, compassion, karuna. We have to understand our own suffering in order to be able transformed. You have to understand the suffering of the other person in order to be able to help him or her suffer less. And that capacity to understand and to transform is called compassion.
that and if we practice true love, we know that in our love there is that second element of compassion. The first is uh, kindness, offering happiness. The second is compassion, removing, transforming suffering. And the third uh, ingredient of true love is joy. True love only offers joy. And if you continue to make you suffer and to make the other person cry, that's not true love. True love always brings joy. And the fourth element of true love is non-discrimination. What we talk to, to the children this morning. Non-discrimination is the fourth ingredient of true love. In true love, suffering and happiness are no longer individual matters. His suffering is your suffering. Her happiness is your happiness. There's no more boundaries between the lover and the loved one. Inclusiveness. You include your love in your life. You don't discriminate anymore. And the four elements of true love continue to grow, to grow every day. And at one point, you can embrace all living beings in your, in your heart. And your love becomes the love of uh, the Buddha. Your love becomes the love of uh, Jesus Christ. Embracing it, anyone, without any discrimination. This is a love without frontiers. One day the Buddha was holding a, <clears throat> a bowl of water on his uh, right hand, sold uh, some salt. He's sitting in front of the monks and he pour the salt in the water and he stirred. And he said, Dear friends, we know that it's not possible to drink this anymore, it's too salty. But if I throw this handful of salt into the river, it will not make the, the river salty. Even if I throw a few baskets of salt into the river, that could not make the river salty because the river is huge, immense. So when your heart is small, little things can make you suffer. But if you allow your heart to to be like a river, these things do not make you suffer anymore. Like a handful of salt cannot make a river salty. So true love is the love that can grow every day and can include more and more. You do not only love your children, but you be, if you know how to love your children in this spirit, your heart will grow bigger and bigger and you include the children of other people. You love your countrymen and women, but if uh, you practice this true love, 
very soon your heart will embrace uh, people of other country also. You love the people uh, uh, in your spiritual tradition. But if you practice this true love, very soon you will love uh, people of other traditions as well. Whether they are uh, Jewish or Muslim or Catholic or Buddhist or Protestant. And that is the fourth ingredient of true love, non-discrimination, inclusiveness. That is the love of Jesus. And as disciples of Jesus, we have to learn that kind of, uh, of love. And that kind of love never makes anyone suffer. And that is the third uh, mindfulness training to love. The fourth uh, mindfulness training is about um, loving speech and deep listening. This is uh, instruments tools that help you to restore communication with the other person, the other group of people, and to reconcile. Even if uh, the division has become deep and painful, this practice can still heal and uh, bring about reconciliation. If uh, the relationship has become so difficult and we have lost our hope, the fourth training can open up new possibilities. And the process is like this. This is a real peace process. First of all, you go back to yourself and learn and listen to your own suffering. Whether you are Catholic, or Anglican, or Presbyterian. You go back to yourself and you listen to your own suffering and find out what is the real roots of that suffering. In the beginning, we may blame on the other group of people, on the other person as the cause of our suffering. But if we look deeply, we see that the main cause of our suffering is our idea, our fear, our discrimination. And out of that we have made, uh, uh, we have uh, created suffering for ourselves and for the other group. The war in Vietnam, we have learned a lot about from it. On the communist side, they fight 
the northern northerners, the Vietnamese in the north, they were communist. They were motivated by desire, by the desire to fight for independence, national independence, and they had a conviction that Marxism, Leninism is the only way to make the country prosper. And they believe that uh, the Soviet Union will be a strong um, support that will last forever, ever. And China behind would be an ally forever and ever. So they, they fought with that kind of conviction and ideas. And they, they view the other side, the side of uh, the nationalist, the side of uh, pro-American um, Catholics, like uh, Protestant, uh, capitalist, uh, only try to, to, to exploit them and to uh, invade their country. On the side of the nationalists and the uh, French and the Americans who support them, they operate on the ground of fear, the fear of a communist takeover of the whole Asia, Soviet Asia. They are afraid that, uh, uh, of atheism. Uh, they fight not only uh, uh, to contain communism, but they also fight uh, uh, against, uh, um, they fight for, for God, in the name of God, they fight, fighting atheism. And they believe that uh, peace and happiness is not possible if uh, they allow communism to take over Vietnam. So with these ideas, both sides continue to fight and kill. And the Vietnamese uh, were caught in that kind of uh, situation. They had to use foreign ideologies and weapons to kill each other. And millions of Vietnamese died because of that. The ideas, the notions, the fear, and the death so if uh, the division has become deep, the suffering is so much, what we need to do the first is to go home to us and look deeply into our own suffering and find out what are the real causes. In, and we find out that it's our fear, our anger, our notions of happiness and... and uh, peace that, that are at the foundation of all our action. And even then that, we know that uh, suffering is not really coming from the other side. It comes from our way and their way of thinking. And with that understanding, we can look on the other side 
And you can see that on the other side, they have suffered very much the same kind of suffering. They have the ideas, they have their own fear, their own anger, their own um, suspicion. So that is the real enemies. The real enemies are not humans. They are not Catholics, they are not uh, Anglicans, they are not Protestants. But our real enemies are fear, wrong perceptions, discrimination, wrong perceptions. And with that kind of insight, they begin. They they we can begin uh, practicing the fourth mindfulness training. Deep listening, compassionate listening, and love and speech. If relationship has become difficult, you you look into your own suffering, and then you look at his or her own suffering. And you said that, well, now I have understood my own suffering. I don't blame, blame him or her anymore. I know that he has suffered a lot like uh, I have. And um, he did not know, he did not understand his own suffering. He has become the victim of his own suffering. And I am only a second victim of his uh, suffering. So when we begin to see like that, we suffer much less right away. And we do not have uh, any longer the intention to punish. We are not angry anymore. And we are motivated by the desire to help him or her to suffer less. So with some compassion in your heart, you go to him or her and say, Darling, I know you have suffered so much in the last uh, many years. I know. I used to, to, to blame you for my suffering, but I have found out that my suffering comes from my wrong perceptions more than from you. If I have reacted strongly and unskillfully because I did not understand your suffering and your difficulties, darling, it's not my intention to make you suffer. That's because I did not understand the suffering inside of you, the difficulties you had. I need some help. If you can tell me about your suffering, your difficulties. That would be, help me understand, and I will, I will not repeat the kind of uh, unskillfulness that I, have done, that, I, I, that I have done in the past. Please help me. Tell me what is in your heart. If you don't help me, who will help? So that is the kind of love and speech that we can use. And with 
understanding of God or of suffering and some compassion in our heart, we will be able to use that kind of language called love and speech. And in our retreats, that always happens. Our retreats usually last six days. And on the fifth day, everyone is asked to practice deep listening and loving speech. And if the other person is not in the retreat, you can use the telephone. (laughs) Darling, I know you have suffered. I have not been very helpful. I have reacted in an unskillful way because I did not understand your suffering. Now I see better. Please help me. Please tell me about your suffering, your difficulties. It's not my intention to make you suffer. Please help. So people are in the retreat. They use telephone and call home on the, on the fifth day because he said, Gen- ladies and gentlemen, you have until midnight today in order to, to put into practice what you have learned in the last five, five days. Remember in that uh, retreat in northern Germany, in the morning of the sixth day, four German uh, gentlemen came to me and reported that last night, the night before, they had uh, used telephone and called home, and all four of them was able to reconcile with their fathers. One of them said, Dear Thay, in the beginning of the retreat, I could not believe that I can talk to my father in that way. I was so angry at him. I thought I can never talk to him like that. But because um, in the last five days, the seed of understanding and compassion in me have been watered by the teaching and the practice. And that is why I could see the suffering of my father. And that is why I, when I called him up, suddenly I found myself capable of using that kind of uh, speech. And I was surprised myself because I could uh, talk to him kindly that way. And it opened his heart right away. And we both cried. And he told me about his suffering. And just one hour after that, we reconciled. And I'm, after the retreat, I will go, go and visit him. So that, that kind of, uh, of uh, practice, of uh, loving speech and deep listening, of the fourth mindfulness training, always uh, work. 
and uh, the miracle of reconciliation always happen in our retreats. Whether that is organized in uh, Japan or Korea or Hong Kong or Thailand or America, it always works. When, when the door of his or her heart is opened and that person begins to tell you about his or her own suffering, you have a chance to practice as a, a Bodhisattva of uh, the Bodhisattva of, of uh, compassionately listening. You listen. And during the time you listen, you have to practice mindfulness of uh, compassion. You have to keep compassion alive in your heart during the whole time of listening. This is very important. Because if you are not protected by compassion, and then what the other person say may touch off the irritation and the anger in you. And you would uh, interrupt him or correct him and you ruin the session of the deep listening. And that is why before the session you have to practice. And during the session you have to practice. You just remember one thing breathing in and out and telling yourself the only purpose of my listening to him or to her today is to give him or her a chance to speak out and suffer less. The only purpose. And that is why even if he said wrong things, full of wrong perceptions, even if he accused, he blamed, I still continue. Because if I, I know that if I interrupt and correct, well, I will fail. And if um, he said something totally wrong, I will wait until three or four days later and will try to, to, to provide him with the kind of information he needs in order to correct his perception, but not now. Now is only listening. So with that kind of insight, with that kind of awareness, mindfulness, you are capable to keep your compassion alive and you can listen for one hour or two hours. And that one hour of listening like that can be very healing. And a miracle will happen. Reconciliation will take place. Yesterday, uh, Associated Press uh, sent me two uh, two questions because they know that I'm going to address the uh, Parliament in uh, Belfast. The first question is: What we can learn from the tragedy in Vietnam? The second question is: How to how uh, what is the kind, the, the kind of solution that can help uh, uh, heal the situation of deep uh, division? And uh, I have given them answer to these questions. I said this uh, this country has uh, a very deep uh, 
source of uh, spirituality. And you have uh, to tap into that source of wisdom and spirituality in order to heal your country. And you can uh, practice. You should not be too eager to find out a political solution or anything. We should practice healing because uh, both sides have uh, suffered very deeply. There have been uh, fear, anger, uh, frustration, suspicion, and uh, talking would not help. The practice of uh, mindfulness of of, uh, suffering the practice of mindfulness, of compassion, is needed to heal. And uh, there are Protestant, Protestant ministers, there are Catholic uh, priests who are for reconciliation. We may like to invite them into a group that will create an opportunity to practice the fourth mindfulness training not only as uh, a couple, but uh, as uh, two groups, two political groups. And if uh, you need uh, some of us from Plum Village, we can send some uh, some uh, Dharma teachers to work with your Protestant ministers and uh, Catholic priests. You organize sessions of sessions of deep listening and loving speech. The first step is for each group to operate separately. Each group, whether they are nationalist or unionist, they have to organize their own meditation. They should uh, go home to themselves and have enough courage to touch their own suffering and listen to their own suffering and find out what is the main roots of that suffering. Because we usually blame the other side for our own suffering. Some, the other side may be responsible for some, in some extent, but the main reason is we have fear we have discrimination, we have uh, suspicion, we have our ideas that are at the foundation of our, our action and reaction. And that practice of, uh, of calming the body, reducing the tension, the pain in the body, is the first thing we have to do in our own group. And these uh, monks, priests, and uh, teachers would help us to relax, to sit, to eat for a few days in mindfulness, calming ourselves down, and having the chance to confront, to embrace our suffering, and look deeply into it. That is called the mindfulness of suffering. Not being afraid of suffering, but mindfulness you can embrace your suffering tenderly and listen to it and begin to see the roots of it. 
And then the second step is to sit there and look on the other side and see whether they have suffered very much of the same thing. And they have their own ideas, their own fear, their own suspicion. And this is possible as the second step. You know that in Plum Village we have sponsored in the past groups of Palestinians and Israelis. And both of them had a lot of suspicion and fear and anger. And we, we, we organized the practices in such a way that each group can be on their own in the first week, practicing, walking, sitting, calming their emotions. And only in the second week that they practice uh, listen to each other, telling each other of their own suffering and trying not to accuse, not to condemn. So that what they say can be received easily by the other side. Just tell them your own suffering, the suffering of your children, your adult, and so on. Do not blame. And then when the, the, this group listen to the suffering of the other side, they suddenly recognize the fact that on the other side there are also human beings that have uh, suffered exactly like on our side, children and adults. And suddenly you look at them with the eyes of compassion. You see yourself in them. And when you look at them like that, you suffer less. You don't want to punish anymore. And the healing begins. And you know that uh, you have uh, your chance to tell them about your suffering. And then, uh, because you have several weeks uh, practicing together, we have the time. So that uh, on the third week, uh, the both groups can uh, share a meal, and doing walking meditation together, even holding hands, and the healing, the transformation, continues to take place. So, so after we have uh, calm ourselves and embrace our suffering and find out uh, the roots of our own suffering, uh, we will start uh, meeting the other group and we will initiate uh, the, the practice of deep listening. And if we are skillful enough, we can televise the practice so that people in the country can follow and breathe and get the healing also. We don't need to rush for a solution. We need the healing with understanding and compassion. And if we are skillful uh, leaders of the practice, we can succeed like in Plum Village. Just listening to each other with compassion will heal. And then there are things like uh, one side will 
organize a praying ceremony requiring mass mass to pray for everyone, not only for 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 our group, but to pray for victims of the conflict in the other group also. During the troubles, there are so many people who died violently, more or less, because of despair, anger, and so on. So if uh, the Catholic organized the required mass and praying for the victims of the conflict, the other group will come and participate and pray together. And when it's the turn of the others, the side to organize uh, praying ceremonies for victims of the troubles, and then the Catholic groups will come and participate. There are things that you can do. You know, in uh, after 40 years of exile, I was um, allowed to go home to Vietnam, and I had asked permission to organize. Um, uh, sessions of prayer like that, and we pray for everyone, regardless of religion, political affiliation. We pray for the communist and the anti-communist who have died. It's very healing. We practice uh, walking meditation, sitting meditation. We breathe for the six million of people who have died. We try to walk for them with our own feet. And thousands and thousands of people came and attend and, and, uh, and get the, the healing. So we can do like that. And this is spiritual practice, not political activities. And if we, the healing takes place and then a peace solution will come easily. And that is why I believe that uh, since we have a very strong and powerful uh, uh, spiritual tradition, we have to go back and tap into that uh, resource for the healing of the whole nation. That's uh, the fourth uh, mindfulness training. And the fifth training is about mindful consumption. We know that happiness is made of uh, understanding and love. And to consume is only to cover up our loneliness and our suffering. And uh, that kind of uh, irresponsible uh, consumption has brought a lot of uh, damage to our body or mind. We consume a lot and yet we continue to suffer a lot. That is why we have to learn the way to go home and take care of our suffering rather than consuming. Consumption like that has corrupted both lady and clergyman. We have to go home and learn to live more simply and more happily also. Following the example of uh, 
Jesus Christ, of the Buddha. And uh, the fifth um, mindfulness uh, training is about uh, mindful consumption in order to stop uh, harming our body, our mind. We learn uh, about the four nutrients. We consume in such a way that can preserve uh, um, the well-being in our body, in our mind. And the body and the mind, collective body and mind of our community, of our nation. And uh, if uh, we look deeply into the five mindfulness trainings, we see that this is not theory, this is a very concrete practice of mindfulness. And it is a reflection of uh, the teaching of Jesus Christ. Anything that fighting reflect the teaching, the deep teaching of Jesus. So practicing according to the trainings, we can become better uh, Christians. There is no discrimination. We are not caught by by a word, by a title, by a name. We have to see things uh, in their true nature. And when we study the five trainings, we see that uh, this is a, uh, also the teaching of Jesus Christ, and it makes us into a better Christian. We should keep our Christian roots, because people who, who have their root cut off cannot be happy people. So we urge uh, our friends to keep uh, our roots, and learning Buddhist meditation can only make our roots stronger. In Buddhism, we have learned that Buddhism is made only of non-Buddhist elements. So why we take care of the non-Buddhist elements, we take care of the of Buddhism. So we are free from Buddhism. We are free from the Buddha. We are not caught either by the Buddha or by Buddhism because of that uh, insight of interbeing.